Section 22 of Our National Parks. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Our National Parks by John Muir. Chapter 10, Part 2 of The American Forest. The redwood is one of the few conifers that sprout from the stump and roots, and it declares itself willing to begin immediately to repair the damage of the lumberman, and also that of the forest burner. As soon as a redwood is cut down or burned, it sends up a crowd of eager, hopeful shoots, which, if allowed to grow, would in a few decades attain a height of a hundred feet, and the strongest of them would finally become giants as great as the original tree gigantic second and third growth trees are found in the redwoods forming magnificent temple-like circles around charred ruins more than a thousand years old but not one denuded acre in a hundred is allowed to raise a new forest growth on the contrary all the brains religion and superstition of the neighborhood are brought into play to prevent a new growth the sprouts from the roots and stumps are cut off again and again with zealous concern as to be the best time and method of making death sure in the clearings of one of the largest mills on the coast we found thirty men at work last summer cutting off redwood shoots in the dark of the moon claiming that all the stumps and roots cleared out at this auspicious time would send up no more shoots anyhow these vigorous almost immortal trees are killed at last and black stumps are now their only monuments over most of the chopped and burned areas the redwood is the glory of the coast range it extends along the western slope in a nearly continuous belt about ten miles wide from beyond the oregon boundary to the south of santa cruz a distance of nearly four hundred miles and in massive sustained grandeur and closeness of growth surpasses all the other timber woods of the world trees from ten to fifteen feet in diameter and three hundred feet high are not uncommon and a few attain a height of three hundred and fifty feet or even four hundred with a diameter at the base of fifteen to twenty feet or more while the ground beneath them is a garden of fresh exuberant ferns lilies gaultheria and rhododendron this grand tree sequoia semperverans is surpassed in size only by its near relative sequoia gigantea or big tree of the sierra nevada if indeed it is surpassed the semperverans is certainly the taller of the two the giantea attains a greater girth and is heavier more noble in port and more sublimely beautiful these two sequoia are all that are known to exist in the world though in former geological times the genus was common and had many species the redwood is restricted to the coast range and the big tree to the sierra as timber the redwood is too good to live the largest sawmills ever built are busy along its seaward border with all the modern improvements but so immense is the yield per acre it will be long ere the supply is exhausted the big tree is also to some extent being made into lumber it is far less abundant than the redwood and is fortunately less accessible extending along the western flank of the sierra in a partially interrupted belt about two hundred and fifty miles long at a height of from four to eight thousand feet above the sea the enormous logs too heavy to handle are blasted into manageable dimensions with gunpowder a large portion of the best timber is thus shattered and destroyed 
and with the huge knotty tops is left in ruins for tremendous fires that kill every tree within their range great and small still the species is not in danger of extinction it has been planted and is flourishing over a great part of europe and magnificent sections of the aboriginal forest have been reserved as national and state parks the mariposa sequoia grove near yosemite managed by the state of california and the general grant in sequoia national parks on the kings kawaya and tool rivers efficiently guarded by a small troop of united states cavalry under the direction of the secretary of the interior but there is not a single specimen of the redwood in any national park only by gift or purchase so far as i know can the government get back into its possession a single acre of this wonderful forest the legitimate demands on the forest that have passed into private ownership as well as those in the hands of the government are increasing every year with the rapid settlement and upbuilding of the country but the methods of lumbering are as yet grossly wasteful in most mills only the best portions of the best trees are used while the ruins are left on the ground to feed great fires which kill much of what is left of the less desirable timber together with the seedlings on which the permanence of the forest depends thus every mill is a centre of destruction far more severe from waste and fire than from use the same is true of the mines which consume and destroy indirectly immense quantities of timber with their innumerable fires accidental or set to make open ways and often without regard to how far they run the prospector deliberately sets fires to clear off the woods just where they are densest to lay the rocks bare and make the discovery of mines easier sheep owners and their shepherds also set fires everywhere through the woods in the fall to facilitate the march of their countless flocks the next summer and perhaps in some places to improve the pasturage the axe is not yet at the root of every tree but the sheep is or was before the national parks were established and guarded by the military the only effective and reliable arm of the government free from the blight of politics not only do the shepherds at the driest time of the year set fire to everything that will burn but the sheep consume every green leaf not sparing even the young conifers where they are in a starving condition from crowding and they rake and dribble the loose soil of the mountain sides for the spring floods to wash away and thus at last leave the ground barren of all the destroyers that infest the woods the shake maker seems the happiest twenty or thirty years ago shakes a kind of long board-like shingles split with a mallet and a frow were in great demand for covering barns and sheds and many are used still in preference to common shingles especially those made from the sugar pine which do not warp or crack in the hottest sunshine drifting adventurers in california after harvest and threshing are over oftentimes meet to discuss their plans for the winter and their talk is interesting once in a company of this kind i heard a man say as he peacefully smoked his pipe boys as soon as this job's done i'm going into the duck business there's big money in it and your grub costs nothing tool joe made five hundred dollars last winter on mallard and teal shot him on the joaquin tied him in dozens by the neck and shipped him to san francisco and when he was tired waiting in the sloughs in touch with rheumatiz he just knocked off on ducks and went to the contra costa hills for dove and quail it's a mighty good business and you're your own boss and the whole thing's fun another of the company a bushy bearded fellow with a trace of brag in his voice drawled out bird business is well enough for some but bear is my game 
with the deer and a california lion thrown in now and then for change there's always market for bear grease and sometimes you can sell the hams they're good as hog hams any day and you are your own boss in my business too if the bears ain't too big and too many for you old grizzlies i despise they want cannon to kill em but the blacks and browns are beauties for grease and when once i get em just right and drawin a bead on em i fetch em every time another said he was going to catch up a lot of mustangs as soon as the rain set in hitch them to a gang plow and go to farming on the san juan keen plains for wheat but most preferred the shake business until something more profitable and as sure could be found with equal comfort and independence with a cheap mustang or mule to carry a pair of blankets a sack of flour a few pounds of coffee and an axe a frow and a cross-cut saw the shake-maker ascends the mountains to the pine belt where it is most accessible usually by some mine or mill road then he strikes off into the virgin woods where the sugar-pine king of all the hundred species of pines in the world in size and beauty towers on the open sunny slopes of the sierra in the fullness of its glory selecting a favorable spot for a cabin near a meadow with a stream he unpacks his animal and stakes it out on the meadow then he chops into one after another of the pines until he finds one that he feels sure will split freely cuts this down saws off a section four feet long splits it and from this first cut perhaps seven feet in diameter he gets shakes enough for a cabin and its furniture walls roof door bedstead table and stool besides his labor only a few pounds of nails are required sapling poles form the frame of the airy building usually about six feet by eight feet in size on which the shakes are nailed with the edges overlapping a few bolts from the same section that the shakes were made from are split into square sticks and built up to form a chimney the inside and interspaces being plastered and filled in with mud thus with abundance of fuel shelter and comfort by his own fireside are secured then he goes to work sawing and splitting for the market tying the shakes in bundles of fifty or a hundred they are four feet long four inches wide and about one-fourth of an inch thick the first few thousands he sells or trades at the nearest mill or store getting provisions in exchange then he advertises in whatever way he can that he has excellent sugar pond shakes for sale easy of access and cheap only the lower perfectly clear free-splitting portions of the giant pines are used perhaps ten to twenty feet from a tree two hundred and fifty in height all the rest is left a mass of ruins to rot or to feed the forest fires while thousands are hacked deeply and rejected improving the grain over nearly all the more accessible slopes of the sierra and cascade mountains in southern oregon at a height from three to six thousand feet above the sea and for a distance of about six hundred miles this waste and confusion extends happy robbers dwelling in the most beautiful woods in the most salubrious climate breathing delightful odors both day and night drinking cool living water roses and lilies at his feet in the spring shedding fragrance and ringing bells as if cheering them on in their desolating work there is none to say them nay they buy no land pay no taxes dwell in a paradise with no forbidding angel either from washington or from heaven every one of the frail shake shanties is the centre of destruction and the extent of the ravages wrought in this quiet way is in the aggregate enormous it is not generally known that notwithstanding the immense quantities of timber cut every year for foreign and home markets and mines from five to ten times as much is destroyed as is used 
chiefly by running forest fires that only the federal government can stop travelers through the west in summer are not likely to forget the firework displayed along the various railway tracks thoreau when contemplating the destruction of the forests on the east side of the continent said that soon the country would be so bald that every man would have to grow whiskers to hide its nakedness but he thanked god that at least the sky was safe had he gone west he would have found out that the sky was not safe for all through the summer months over most of the mountain regions the smoke of mill and forest fires is so thick and black that no sunbeam can pierce it the whole sky with clouds sun moon and stars is simply blotted out there is no real sky and no scenery not a mountain is left in the landscape at least none is in sight from the lowlands and they all might as well be on the moon as far as scenery is concerned the half-dozen transcontinental railroad companies advertise the beauty of their lines in gorgeous many-colored folders each claiming it as the scenic route the route of superior desolation the smoke dust and ashes route would be a more truthful description every train rolls on through dismal smoke and barbarous melancholy ruins and the companies might well cry in their advertisements come travel our way ours is the blackest it is the only genuine erebus route the sky is black and the ground is black and on either side there is a continuous border of black stumps and logs and blasted trees appealing to heaven for help as if still half alive and their mute eloquence is most interestingly touching the blackness is perfect on account of the superior skill of our workmen advantages of climate and the kind of trees the charring is generally deeper along our line and the ashes are deeper and the confusion and desolation displayed can never be rivaled no other route on this continent so fully illustrates the abomination of desolation such a claim would be reasonable as each seems the worst whatever route you chance to take of course a way had to be cleared through the woods but the felled limber is not worked up into firewood for the engines and into lumber for the company's use it is left lying in vulgar confusion and is fired from time to time by sparks from locomotives or by the workmen camping along the line the fires whether accidental or set are allowed to run into the woods as far as they may thus assuring comprehensive destruction the directors of a line that guarded against fires and cleared a clean gap edged with living trees and fringed and mantled with the grass and flowers and beautiful seedling that are ever ready and willing to spring up might justly boast of the beauty of their road for nature is always ready to heal every scar but there is no such road on the western side of the continent last summer in the rocky mountains i saw six fires started by sparks from a locomotive within a distance of three miles and nobody was in sight to prevent them from spreading they might run into the adjacent forests and burn the timber for hundreds of square miles not a man in the state would care to spend an hour in fighting them as long as his own fences and buildings were not threatened notwithstanding all the waste and use which have been going on unchecked like a storm for more than two centuries it is not yet too late though it is high time for the government to begin a rational administration of its forests about seventy million acres it still owns enough for all the country if wisely used these residual forests are generally on mountain slopes just where they are doing the most good and where their removal would be followed by the greatest number of evils the lands they cover are too rocky and high for agriculture and can never be made as valuable for any other crop as for the present crop of trees it has been shown over and over again that if these mountains were to be stripped of their trees and underbrush 
and kept bare and sodless by hordes of sheep and the innumerable fires the shepherds set besides those of the millmen prospectors shakemakers and all sorts of adventurers both lowlands and mountains would speedily become little better than desert compared with their present beneficent fertility during heavy rainfalls and while the winter accumulations of snow were melting the large streams would swell into destructive torrents cutting deep rugged-edged gullies carrying away the fertile humus and soil as well as sand and rocks filling up and overflowing their lower channels and covering the lowland fields with raw detritus drought and barrenness would follow in their natural condition or under wise management keeping out destructive sheep preventing fires selecting the trees that should be cut for lumber and preserving the young ones and the shrubs and sod of herbaceous vegetation these forests would be a never-failing fountain of wealth and beauty the cool shades of the forest give rise to moist beds and currents of air and the sod of grasses and the various flowering plants and shrubs thus fostered together with the network and sponge of tree roots absorb and hold back the rain and the waters from melting snow compelling them to ooze and percolate and flow gently through the soil and streams that never dry all the pine needles and rootlets and blades of grass and the fallen decaying trunks of trees are dams storing the bounty of the clouds and dispensing it in perennial life-giving streams instead of allowing it to gather suddenly and rush headlong in short-lived devastating floods everybody on the dry side of the continent is beginning to find this out and in view of the waste going on is growing more and more anxious for government protection the outcries we hear against forest reservations come mostly from thieves who are wealthy and steal timber by wholesale they have so long been allowed to steal and destroy in peace that any impediment to forest robbery is denounced as a cruel and irreligious interference with vested rights likely to endanger the repose of all ungodly welfare gold 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 how strong a voice that metal has oh why for the siller it is sigh prevailing even in congress a sizable chunk of gold carefully concealed will outtalk and outfight all the nation on a subject like forestry well smothered in ignorance and in which the money interests of only a few are conspicuously involved under these circumstances the brawling blethering oratorical stuff drowns the voice of god himself yet the dawn of a new day in forestry is breaking honest citizens see that only the rights of the government are being trampled not those of the settlers only what belongs to all alike is reserved and every acre that is left should be held together under the federal government as a basis for a general policy of administration for the public good the people will not always be deceived by selfish opposition whether from lumber and mining corporations or from sheepmen and prospectors however cunningly brought forward underneath fables and gold emerson says that things refuse to be mismanaged along an exception would seem to be found in the case of our forests which have been mismanaged rather long and now come desperately near being like smashed eggs and spilt milk still in the long run the world does not move backward the wonderful advance made in the last few years in creating four national parks in the west and thirty forest reservations embracing nearly forty million acres and in the planting of the borders of streets and highways and spacious parks in all the great cities to satisfy the natural taste and hunger for landscape beauty and righteousness that god has put in some measure into every human being and animal 
shows the trend of awakening public opinion the making of the far-famed new york central park was opposed by even good men with misguided pluck perseverance and ingenuity but straight right won its way and now that park is appreciated so we confidently believe it will be with our great national parks and forest reservations there will be a period of indifference on the part of the rich sleepy with wealth and of the toiling millions sleepy with poverty most of whom never saw a forest a period of screaming protest and objection from the plunderers who are as unconscionable and enterprising as satan but light is surely coming and the friends of destruction will preach and bewail in vain the united states government has always been proud of the welcome it has extended to good men of every nation seeking freedom and homes and bread let them be welcomed still as nature welcomes them to the woods as well as to the prairies and plains no place is too good for good men and still there is room they are invited to heaven and may well be allowed in america every place is made better by them let them be as free to pick gold and gems from the hills to cut and hew dig and plant for homes and bread as the birds are to pick berries from the wild bushes and moss and leaves for nests the ground will be glad to feed them and the pines will come down from the mountains for their homes as willingly as the cedars came from lebanon for solomon's temple nor will the woods be the worse for this use or their benign influences be diminished any more than the sun is diminished by shining mere destroyers however tree killers wool and mutton men spreading death and confusion in the fairest groves and gardens ever planted let the government hasten to cast them out and make an end of them for it must be told again and again and be burningly borne in mind that just now while protective measures are being deliberated languidly destruction and use are speeding on faster and farther every day the axe and saw are insanely busy chips are flying thick as snowflakes and every summer thousands of acres of priceless forests with their underbrush soil springs climate scenery and religion are vanishing away in clouds of smoke while except in the national parks not one forest guard is employed all sorts of local laws and regulations have been tried and found wanting and the costly lessons of our own experience as well as that of every civilized nation show conclusively that the fate of the remnant of our forests is in the hands of the federal government and that if the remnant is to be saved at all it must be saved quickly any fool can destroy trees they cannot run away and if they could they would still be destroyed chased and hunted down as long as fun or a dollar could be got out of their bark hides branching horns or magnificent bold backbones few that fell trees plant them nor would planting avail much towards getting back anything like the noble primeval forest during a man's life only saplings can be grown in place of the old trees tens of century old that have been destroyed it took more than three thousand years to make some of the trees in these western woods trees that are still standing in perfect strength and beauty waving and singing in the mighty forests of the sierra through all the wonderful eventful centuries since christ's time and long before that god has cared for these trees saved them from drought disease avalanches and a thousand straining leveling tempests and floods but he cannot save them from fools only uncle sam can do that end of section twenty two end of our national parks by john muir